0: The Tuesday Club
1: with
2: Sean, Kyle and Shane. Hello there, we're back on the Tuesday Club with a new jingle. with Sean, Kyle and Shane. Thanks Rosie Sheehy for an absolutely brilliant introduction there. How are we boys this week?
1: Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Just been in the gym, so I'm a bit tired.
2: So bear with me. <laughs> yeah, skinny, lean, fit, Shane, and one chin, Kyle Reese.
3: <laughs> when was I ever two chins? <laughs> you weren't. You
1: were three chins.
3: Oh, fucking fair, fair one. Never. I, I already slipped almost, up already.
2: Almost a compliment. There <laughs> <laughs> was one in there somewhere. There was. It was. How you doing, Kyle boy? You been fixing your garden up, haven't you?
3: Yeah, all good. I had a special helper as well this week. I had uh, the one and only Sean Olly on the barrow. After after we were doing it, uh, my father said, he said, did you see Sean going down them planks on that barrow? I said, no, I was in front of him. He started laughing.
2: I tell you what, I got a bit of a bad dodgy back and, as you know, a dodgy knee. And I went down that first plank and when you said, uh, do you want to borrow or rake the rubble, give me the rake every day day <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I put my back out doing that. And I got a nice blister to show for it. So uh, look, that's that's all good. We've got a very special guest coming up this week on Tuesday Club, quite a controversial one, but more about that in a minute. First, let's have a quick review, boys, of some of the rugby that's been going on. Um, you know, last weekend was a European weekend. The weekend before that, Shane, saw Leinster win the Pro 14 for the third year running. I mean, we know it's not easy to win one. But to win three on the bounce. They were pretty imperious, weren't they?
1: Yeah, surprise, surprise, though. And I think, um, you know, the right team's on the cards, to be honest with you. They've had a fantastic season. Uh, they've just got it right. You know, they, they, they know how to use the experience when they need it. They've got such talent coming through. And they mix and match week in week out with Cullen there, do you know, pulling the strings. They just, they're just—they're so good. They're boring. They're boring the pants off me at the moment. But um, yeah, you know, I saw that come in. And like I say, Sexton—they can start Sexton on the bench and don't really need him, do they, do you know what I mean? that's—that's that's the hell of a team they really are. But you know, it was a different story in Europe, wasn't it?
2: It was, yeah. A team, Kyle, that you had a lot to say about after the scandal with Saracens, but. They went to the Beaver Stadium, uh, which is a difficult place to go, Leinster off the back of that win, and did a job on Leinster. Did you watch it, mate?
3: I did, I watched it. Um, it was after uh, I was finished off the garden, so I fell asleep for the first half, and then it was it was typical of on after everything that's gone on to come out there and beat the Pro 14 champions, and Leinster... Uh, it was like almost the um, the immovable object meets the unstoppable force almost. But one of them had to win. And Saracen's just played as well as they have done in any other cup final for me.
2: Yeah, it sets up uh, a couple of brilliant semi-finals. No Guinness Pro 14 teams here in the semifinals of Europe, which is becoming a bit of the norm. We had a bit of a chat off air about that. Uh, the powerhouses of England and France with the big budgets, if you like. Um, what impressed me over the weekend we've both been to Clermont to play in Europe and it's one of the most hostile I know there's no crowd there but it's the most difficult place to go yeah. Racing 92 go and do a job in Clermont. they look pretty impressive
1: yeah look it probably helped Racing that there wasn't a crowd there um how many times have we been there Sean and you just yeah. can't hear yourself think it's one of the toughest club sides you're going to play away from home um but yeah, Racing are normally the, you know the team that only want to play at home in that fantastic stadium they got with all their superstars. But I think they've just proven that um, you know that the European uh, Cup, uh, the Champions Cup, sorry, what it means to them, and they're always there and thereabouts, aren't they? Semi final, quarter final, final, and yeah, to go to Claremont, to Vernon and get a victory is a huge statement, but. Look, I don't think we can argue with the teams that are in the that were in the final eight or are in the final four. There's been some fantastic performances over the weekend. You know, Saracens beating Leinster uh, in the in the RDS is a huge result for them. I watched Toulouse today as well. My uh, and the Cheslin Kobe just ripping teams to shreds on his own. Uh, look, uh, you know, whoever wins this competition, now uh, thoroughly deserves it. And I'm really enjoying my European rugby. Unfortunately. There's no Welsh team in there and there's, and, uh, there's no Pro 14 team left. But uh, nevertheless, I'm still enjoying it.
2: Cheslin Colby today. Um, we are recording this on the Sunday. Uh, he danced around Jacob Stockdale, the Irish winger, twice. Stockdale didn't put a hand on him. And it's great to see Toulouse back. You know, we always felt, shame to me that they're the Rolls Royce of European rugby. Jerome Kano's at the at the head of it, captain him now and... Antoine Dupont and Tamac, and Tamak as, as halfbacks, really showing why they're the French halfbacks now. So, Toulouse lose through, it's a mouthwatering prospect because they play uh, Exeter Chiefs um, at Sandy Park, who dispatched Dan Biggers, Northampton Saints, no surprise there. So, a brilliant semi final. But talking, Shane, about the Welsh teams. Um, Kyle I know you're a massive fan of the Welsh teams we had the Dragons playing against Bristol last Friday and then we had uh, Scarlett playing Toulon our Toulon survivors in the Challenge Cup and both fell away what do you think of that Bristol performance?
3: Well I, th- I said to you in the first 10 minutes of the game I sent you a text saying oh, I think the Dragons might be on you. they could win it and I seen an interview with Dean Ryan saying that you know he's made a decision he's going to put a team out that hopes he can do the job and if it's a learning curve then all the better for the future, but you know it took 15 minutes for Bristol to come out, and then when they did, they just blew the Dragons off the park. Um, yeah. There's definitely got to be a Welsh jersey call in for Callum Sheedy um, if he doesn't get the red jersey in the next couple of years. I mean, well, I'll I'll eat my hat. I've seen well, that. You I've better get from a hat,
2: mate. There's a lot of good <laughs> tens around. And the thing about She, <laughs> thing about Sheedy is we'll try and get him on the pod actually because. Uh, like when I coached him at Bristol, he had the opportunity to play uh, for I think it was Wales in the twenties. But then I might be wrong here, but you you became capped then, Shane. You know if that was the mm. case, he actually yeah. qualifies for Wales by birth, England by residency because he's been schooled and lived lived there for I don't know last ten years, and has an Irish um, grandparents. She hence the sheedy so he's he's now eligible for three countries, and he's so he's holding all the cards, but nobody seems to yeah. be wanting him in, you know. But how about that Rad Radrado? I can't even say it. That's easy for me to say. But imagine <laughs> playing with him, Shane.
1: Uh I'll just call him Sammy. Um, oh, look, you know, yeah. Imagine being Callum Sheedy when, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you've got all the Welsh coaches watching you there, and you know there's a bit of spotlight on you, but. You've got the likes of Pietao, you've got Rad Radra, and you've got these guys who not only are fantastic world you know, world play of the year ability players, but they work so hard for him. You know, it's you know, the stereotypical Fijian is they are quite lazy, but there's a change there's a shift in these players now and uh, and and Semi Radra, he just He's everywhere, absolutely everywhere. He has a touch of the ball, he's back on his feet, there's a pass inside, next thing, he's taking the next ball. I don't know how he does it, honestly, there's not many players in world rugby that can do it, so Prashidi rather the likes of of him outside him, and Pierre and and all these guys running their socks off, it must be fantastic, you know, so um, yeah, and and it's obviously going to make him look better, so he had, he had a great time out there, didn't he, um, with that back line, but I like him as well as a, as a 10. He's very gutsy. He takes the ball to the line, inside, outside, passes. isn't fright, frightened to come off his off his foot and take a step or put the ball through. He's got a lot of options and it's very difficult to read him and uh, very much like an Anne scum then, I suppose. And obviously mm. we're missing him at the moment. But, you know, Bristol, they went, well, it was a 10 points down and you have just thought, oh, you've probably just pissed off Bristol, to be honest with you, <laughs> Dragons, you know. And then, you know, initially the great Sam was kicking the ball over the top, the ball was hitting the turf, making uh, making the back three turn around, you know, causing all sorts of trouble. Next thing, one poor kick by Nick Tompkins and it's try time. And then you could see the Bristol were like, oh, well, we'll do that every time we get the ball. Mm-hmm. Ball in open play, they just ripped the dragons to shreds. And um, even though I'm Welsh, it was so much fun to watch, you know. But yeah. um, they are some team, aren't they? Yeah, OK, they've got a couple of million-pound superstars amongst them. But there's there's also homegrown talent and there's also a lot of Welsh boys coming through as well. Thomas came off the bench and I thought he was superb. Um, very exciting team to watch, but the Dragons just didn't stand a chance.
3: It was nice yeah. to see that uh, Rodrada and Thacker had made friends because he actually gave him that inside ball against the Dragons this week and he was able to go up the field a bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I, I'll I'll I,
2: yeah,
3: I'll
1: tell you what, man, that Thacker is some player. He's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, my God. Where's he come from? You know, Well, Leicester, um... yeah.
2: He, he wasn't getting in. He was third, fourth choice in Leicester. And all of a sudden, now, oh, boom. I suppose it goes down to the course, is not it? What what type of player you want. And uh, he's not your big set-piece sort of, you know, driving mall hooker. He's all over the place. He's like an extra back rower. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we've got some great European semi finals to look forward to. We'll have a quick review of them next week. But coming up next on the Tuesday Club, we've got a very special guest we has got a new revolutionary idea on transforming the game of rugby. That's former WRU Chief Executive David Moffat. Welcome back to the Tuesday Club with me, Sean, Shane Williams and Kyle Reese, And we've got a very special guest joining us now all the way from down and former WRU chief exec, none less than David Moffat. I'm off. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hey, hey, boys. There. Good. Thank you very much for hey, Dave. having me on. Looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, we want to have you on to discuss this revolutionary new idea that you've got. Uh, We've just been chatting about the European weekend and the Pro 14 and the rugby that's going on. But you've got a new idea, a new concept on revolutionising the game because you've become a little bit, I don't know, what is it? Annoyed, angst, bored with the current game of rugby. Tell us a little bit about rugby rules.
0: Yeah, all of that, uh, Sean, including being highly disillusioned with the way the game's been going now for some time so I sat down and thought well perhaps what I'd do is write some law variations send it off to World Rugby but then knowing how they work and how slowly they move I decided that perhaps I would um, take it down a different road and that's how Rugby Rules was born I mean you know and I, and I guess i mean i think i might have seen a comment from shane recently about what would happen if he was playing on the wing against some of these uh, you know 100 kg plus players um and it's now now a game that's actually built around size and um and bulk uh and 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 power um and there's mostly nothing wrong with that except that it now looks like a combination if you like of <clears throat> of uh, rugby league and NFL. Um, there doesn't seem to be any room anymore for those players that um, have got skill, flair, and guile. And that and those three words, skill, flair, and guile, could actually, once upon a time, have referred to Welsh players, which is w- I was brought up with. You know, I was brought up with, uh, you know, obviously with the, with Gareth and those guys playing the game, and and we marvelled at the way the Welsh would play the game. And one of the biggest criticisms I have of Warren Gatland is he poached that all out of the Welsh players. You know, it was all about crash, bang, pick, drive, drop. And um, you know, I think, I mean, I, I've coined a phrase, McDonald's rugby. That's what I think rugby's become. You know, it's the same. Every every town, city, and country, it's played exactly the same. You know, it's a, there's no. Where's the Welshness? Where's the Australian way of playing? Everybody's trying to play like the All Blacks. I'm got to tell you, in my view, not having played at that level, though, um, the, the way to beat the All Blacks is to play your own way and devise tactics that they won't be expecting instead of trying to play like Blacks. Uh, so, so that's a lot of what I've n- not been happy about with, um, with the way rugby's going. I think that it's become a very brutal game. It's putting kids off. And is putting their parents off more importantly from having them play the game. And um that's not good for the future of the sport.
2: Moff, um oh sorry, Shane. What do you got to say about Moff's comment about McDonald's rugby? But you know, referring to your um message about you know, if you were playing on the wing these days, and we talked about semirandrada, um, I looked at Naiero Voro earlier today, you've got uh, Nandolo. These are 120 kg plus guys. You would have faced a lot of them, of course. But, you know, has David got a point to you?
1: Um, I can I I see the, the point of the players are getting uh, bigger, uh, more physical and more, well, they're more athletes now. And you speak about the likes of semi Sam, uh, Radra, he has got to be 17 stone, hasn't he? You know, probably does 100 metres in... in in about ten seconds, um, and he's a he's a, he's a complete animal. I agree, probably. If you get fifteen of of Brad Rogers on the field um, running against each other, there's not going to be much room on the field at all, is there? So I, I, I see that side <laughs> of it. I see the fact that we 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 want to speed up the game. Um, we want to see more space on the field. I quite uh, be interested to see what you think, Dave, of the the new fifty twenty two rule that's being trialed in Australia where they're trying to kind of open up the game a little bit with the kicking tactics and stuff to get more room on the field. But yeah, look, the players, that it's evolution, I think, in rugby. Players are getting bigger, they're getting stronger, they're getting more physical, but they are becoming athletes as well. So you've got pretty much uh, 15 back rowers running around the field that, that, that are 100-metre sprinters and, and a very clever, clever rugby player. So the pitch is getting smaller. So I see that side of it with, with, with David as well. But I still do think there is room for players of, of my stature who, who think a little bit differently on the field. All right, there's very limited numbers of these guys. The Hogs. We've um, already spoken about Cheslin Colby today, who is just you know making, uh, making light rods of the likes of Stockdale and those guys just running rings around them. But they are few and far between. So the majority of games you are watching now are big. Physical games, you know, ball under the jumper, running straight at someone rather than running at shoulders. I think that side of the game has gone as well. We we don't attack weak shoulders anymore. We just run straight and try and play through the phases. So I see a little bit of, of what David's speaking about as well. But you know, I think um, within the rugby rules, David, is, is it fourteen a side that you're looking um, to pull actually, a player off the field and make room?
0: Yeah, you know, actually, it's um, we've we've had it. Shame we've had a huge amount of feedback since we uh, launched this. And we're actually going to go to 13 aside. Now, okay, I know sorry. everybody will say, oh, that's rugby, rugby league. Well, it's not because it's just a number. I mean, we've still sure. got line outs. We've still got rucks. We've still got contestable scrums uh, and the like. So, yes, it is about creating more space. You can't increase the size of the pitches because you can't knock down grandstands, you know, to make them wider. Yeah. And longer, yeah. so yeah, so it's a matter of, and let's face it, mate, as you would know, flankers are pretty useless anyway, they just take up a lot of room. Which, does. Uh, So, I don't say um, that out loud, no, 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 not if you're not, if not if you're still playing, you <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, to be, to be perfectly honest with you, I was playing at 75 kg, there's no place for it mostly for unless you've got an absolutely brilliant sort of other skills there's no place it's not a game any longer for um for for all players of all shapes and sizes um it still is in in the forwards to a certain extent but certainly not in the backs any longer and and that's what concerns me but you know shane we spend an awful lot of time uh, and and every administrator does on just talking about the 0.1 percent of people that play the game at a professional level that's all it is and i'm concerned about the other 99.9 percent as well those players who who see what's happening on the field and they try and emulate it they haven't got the skill they haven't got the um, you know the body development they haven't got the you know all of those things that go to make a professional rugby player and so this is why this is going to be a bottom up bottom up Um, and we're going to start with schools and under 18s because we think that if we can get them the rediscover the minds uh, and the passion of parents and their kids, then I think we've got a chance in the future of maintaining, because I mean, mean, even when I was in Wales, there were some fantastic clubs that had gone out of business because they just couldn't get enough players anymore. And I don't know if that's still the case. It is. It
2: is still the case, Uh, Moff. We are, we are losing a bit of grassroots uh, clubs. Um, Certainly, around the age you talk about, uh, my two sons played up until they were 16. They don't play anymore. They play basketball. I think they got a little bit disillusioned. Um, I used to go and watch them as young teenagers, and Shane, you're coaching your son Carter in this now, and I, I would see coaches of under 12 and the 13 teams warming them up with defensive line speed drills, and I think to myself what have we become? You know, mm-hmm. it's not, they've seen professional coaches do this when they go to the big games, they've seen how uh, defense has become a premium. Well, we've got a coach to catch and pass, run into space and, you know, put somebody into space as kids. That's what, that's what we were all brought up on. You know, I mean, Kylie, I'm bringing you in here because you're an avid fan, a watcher of games. I mean, let's go back to Moff's comment about Warren Gatlin's Welsh team. Do you feel, Watching that the game has become a little bit turgid a bit a little bit one dimensional predictable what do you think
3: yeah I do agree in some respects it it has become a bit stagnant like he was the Mcdonald's concept we'll call it then um like Shane said as well there is a bit of uh, you know realness a bit of truth in that because even though every game will be different whether it's you know professional or all the way down to grassroots sometimes I find going down the green stars in Port-Albert and watching that is more exciting than watching two professional teams play on a Saturday because you know there are no TMOs there's no you know everything happens the first time and if, if if you miss it then that's it type of thing it's it's unpredictable where these teams are so evenly matched because like Shane said, they are all becoming top class, world class athletes. They are, you know, there's there's a peak where everybody will plateau. And then that leads on to, I'm just pretty much repeating what Shane said really about a team full of Radradas. You know, it's, it's something that doesn't leave a, a fan going, oh, I can't wait to watch that game because there isn't the flair and the guile um, that you would see when Shane was playing the game or you know back even further so yeah. and it, it's it's all right for a coach when you come into a team that have just been through the mill a bit which Wales had when Warren Gatlin stepped in um, and then you know the, the whole Warren ball he had Alex Cuspert on one wing George North on the other wing and those two boys were at the start of this new sort of era of these big, huge, gigantic wingers who would just bust through people. So, but anyway, back to your question. Yeah, I I, I do think, feel like it is becoming a bit stagnant. It is becoming a bit samey. Other than when you get a team, that or two teams that aren't so evenly matched, like, for instance, Bristol and Dragons on the Friday night. We all know that anything can happen on any given day in rugby. We've all seen it before, but those are the games that you do enjoy watching, but um, like Toulon and and Scarlet's there, it's, you know, it was a little bit dull. It was a little bit, yeah. Scarlet's fronted up defensively, and but then you come away and you go to a game thinking, right, Scarlet's have done brilliant over the last five years. Toulon, this is going to be an exciting, thrilling match. And it comes away 11-6 or whatever it was. It's, you know, as a there fan.
2: Was a, it was a bit of that this afternoon, mate. Uh, more you would have been sleeping. It was uh, to lose against Ulster. <laughs> And Toulouse was one of the favourites, obviously. There were periods in that game where I switched over. Um, it was a box kicking frenzy because they got yeah, to the middle part of the field, you know.
0: Can I just tell you the reason, one of the biggest reasons why uh, we've done this? And that is because currently in the game today, there's no contest for possession of the ball. None. At any of these, you know, when you talk about, and I haven't seen those games, but I can almost guarantee you that at the breakdown, the, there wouldn't have been hardly any contest for possession because they're fanning out and they're saying, well, you have the ball because if we go in and try and get it, we're going to get penalized. So you can keep the ball until you drop it, knock it on or kick it. So what you get is a version of rugby league. I mean, rugby league is a player-player is a game played by players of all evil, even size and they can play fullback one week or they could play hooker the next week. You know, that's the game that, that rugby is becoming. But if you take the breakdown, there's no contest for possession there. How do you get the ball, right? I mean, and, and a, a mall, you know, it's the only part of the game where you're allowed to have pe- people, you know, running interference or, or offside. Um, and scrums like, you know, we don't have the hookers hooking for the ball. We, we actually address all of those issues. You know, I, I sent you a little thing. Look at the current law ruck law in rugby and look at the pictures. When was the last time you saw anything remotely yes. like what they have in their own laws? Not, you know, so there's no contest for possession there. We believe that there should be. Like, like a mall, we say if you take the ball into a mall that's terrific, you have to hang on to it. So if you've got the ball, the ball carrier, you can march him and you can keep going as long as you like. But as soon as you transfer the ball back one player, and and then you've got all you know anybody in front of you is obstructing the opposing team from getting at the ball then it's got to be out of that mall in 10 seconds so that you know you you've got you've you've got movement but you've also providing opportunity to actually get the ball scrums both hookers should hook for the ball and the ball should go in straight for a start you know so we would be very hot on that when you don't see that all that often at lineouts we're saying well we 're not going to have jumping in lineouts in rugby rules we 're going to go back to the old days where you actually had to be an athlete and jump for the ball unassisted uh, you know so it's those 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 four major areas of a contest for possession that are currently I think letting the game down, especially at the breakdown because yeah. because players are not on their feet you know they're going yeah. immediately going to ground um, and that's and what what the breakdown makes up what sixty-seventy percent of the game these days.
2: It's interesting you say that. They've tried, haven't they, with these new breakdown interpretations? The Jackler since restart has definitely got the ball a lot more. However, I've been doing some statistics with the Guinness Pro 14 and Leinster just won it for the third time on the bounce. And one of the most telling statistics was in um the four games after restart 70% of phases when Leinster were defending, they had 14 or 15 guys on their feet. And and the reason is because what you're saying is they, they know that they don't want a, con- a contest. They want to fill the field and then wait for an isolated player to jump on, you know, jackal and steal the ball, win a penalty. And it's been very successful for them. They only conceded five points in the semi-final and three points in the final or the other way around. Can't remember, but, you know, that that's a huge concern for me that it's becoming very much fill the field. And even somebody like Shane, you know, would, would find it difficult to break through. Well, not Shane, but, you know, some people would find it difficult but to break no. through. So tell us, Moff, how, how far down the line have you got with this rugby rules? I mean, is it get, getting some purchase? You got some traction from anywhere?
0: Oh, yeah, we, we're getting quite a lot of people engaging with us and supporting us. And interestingly enough, I think the first place it may be played, as soon as the COVID relaxation comes about and you can go into these full contact situations, is going to be up in the UK. We've got three schools up there who are very interested in playing it. Um, I'm not able to name the schools, but, but they're in England. Um, so, you know, that, that we've, we've also got um, potential three schools here in New Zealand and also in Australia and we hope in South Africa as well. Because as soon as we've got some footage, then we'll be able to show people just exactly how we envisage the game being played. But I mean, you know, I've played this game a lot in my head, but I don't know what the unintended consequences would be. And I mean, coaches like you, mate, who will look at the game and say, well, I think I can get around that by doing this and what have you. So, Yeah. yeah, there will be unintended consequences and we can... And we can um, have a look at those once it's played and any modifications that need to be made we will make because we're not going to be bound by the committee structure that they have in world rugby. And, you know, in the national governing bodies where it takes age to get things done because everybody's frightened of making a change. On the business of frightened of making a change, my view is that if world rugby doesn't sort things out very quickly, they're going to end up with litigation at their door either now or down the track. I mean, you have a look. I've been doing a bit of research. You have a look at the number of players, man, who are no longer playing the game and they've been forced out through injury. Their bodies can't take any more of it. 26, 27 years of age, you know, and, and, and the cleaning out, you know, well, what's that all about, attacking a player without the ball? You know, that's... And it's not so much, you know, a lot of concussions, but it's not so much even uh, contact with the head. It's whiplash. Um, injuries that are happening as well. So, you know, and, and we, the Dylan Hartley thing, you know, that, that came out just recently. I was really taken by that. You know, he just said he was effed. You know, his whole body was just, you know. Well, yeah. I, I've got Change a question on
3: the back of that for you, David. Obviously, you you said that there's, you know, the game today now, and like you just said, with the injuries and players having to finish their careers well earlier than they were expecting through injury. Uh, you also said that it's put in, you know youngsters off go, potentially going into the game what what are the differences what what can rugby do then because i'm an nfl fan now other than the shoulder pads the the thigh pads and the helmet nfl is probably one of the most popular sports on the planet especially the number one sport in america and there are millions upon millions of youngsters uh, female uh, players male players in america who all they want to do is play American football. They want to play American football. And they have, uh, I think they were, there was a doctor who did the whole research on the concussions. And I think Will Smith played him because we are still an entertainment TV and film podcast. (laughs) Will Smith played him in um, a film called concussion. And I watched that and it was about the Pittsburgh Steelers and all the goings on there. But what, what, what is, what's the comparisons there then? What's what is the NFL doing? They might have their own problems. I'm not fully involved in the politics of that, but what are they doing that rugby isn't to keep it the number one sport?
0: Okay, so um, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of um, the NFL, and um, you know I was a bit disappointed that my team lost Tom Brady. <laughs> So you know who I support,
3: and you and you lost him to uh, the Buccaneers as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna add that one in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so I think they've still got a huge amount of problems. I was talking to a guy um, who who is he actually played for Clenethley, um American, and he played American football as well. And he said the biggest problem with American football is that they're now so big, so fast that um, even with all of the padding, they've got huge injury issues. You know, in that game, because you've got 250 kg of uh, people just running over the top of you, uh, and and it is that is a collision sport, and we've become a collision sport. So Americans like that, but let's 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 remember Amer- American football is not like 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 our game, where it's played by you know thousands and thousands of people below the professional level. They go, they play it in college, and then the top very top elite of those get contracts to play American football. The rest disappear you know and and to be perfectly honest with you when i when i was looking at the um, the rules i had a half a half an eye or even a full eye on the american market because if we could get a game that they can understand and that they can play simple and safe then i reckon we got half a chance in america because if you go there now the game our game has become so complicated i'm an ex referee and you look at the game being played why was that a penalty over there and why wasn't the same thing a penalty over here? I mean, it's too complicated and part of what we're trying to do is simplify it but also to make it safer as well. So we're, we're not going to allow cleaning out. We are, um, the scrums can only be reset once, you know, so we don't, we're not, and we're not losing time. This is going to be a game played in two 30-minute halves and we're expecting to get 55 minutes of play time because at a lot of the periods of play we say there's a time, the, the shot clock will come on Lineouts, for example, you know at the moment, the team throwing in the ball spend half an hour over up here up the field talking about what they're going to do with the lineout, then they amble up to the line of touch, whereas we say you've got twenty seconds to get the ball in you know so there's, so there's you know we've got to stop that bullshit, they can do all their training on the field so that they have their calls that they can make you know in quicker time than currently is the case, and there's time restraints everywhere, fix at goal but what we are saying is, if just kicks a goal, the clock drop, um, stops. Same as when you score a try. The clock doesn't come on again until the ball is kicked off yep. from the halfway line. So, so there's all those sorts of things that we believe will make this go. Now, if I had my way, I'd like, ideally, I'd like World Rugby to actually take notice of what the, the fans are saying and what other people are saying, but they won't. Because there's a degree of arrogance in there that says, oh, we know what's right.
2: That's a good thing, Shane, isn't it? The clock, uh, I big bugbear of mine when we commentate together, scrums and reset scrums and the clock's still going. It's a good It's a good thing.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, first of all, I've had the pleasure of speaking to Dr. O'Malu, um the concussion documentary i done. That's the guy. Very, very intense and scary and, uh, you know, he, within about three minutes of speaking to him, tried to make me promise that I would stop my children playing contact sports. He feels very passionate about it. And one of the problems he said was that in American football is that when you've got a helmet on, you think you're invincible and you tackle with your head. You can still get concussion within the helmet. That's one of the problems of NFL. Anyway, aside from that, look, yeah, everything, um, David, you're speaking about now is about speeding the game up. Um, making it more interesting to watch again. And, yeah, one of my bugbears certainly is restarts of scrums, Um, you know, it dropping down, reset of a scrum, then a penalty, then the next is a penalty for the other team. I really don't get how one team can dominate one second and then the other team can dominate in the scrum. But anyway, but another thing for me, I'm very old-fashioned. You know, sometimes if a if there's a 50-50 pass, is it forward? Isn't it? There's a try. The try is given anyway, and we go back to a TMO, five, six, seven, eight phases back, where a, you know a perfectly good try has been scored. Everyone's up on their feet. Everyone's clapping and cheering. It's great. And then three minutes is taken away from the game. Then where they go back and say, you no, know, ten phases ago um, there was a knock-on or there was a forward pass. No try allowed. And and that's one of the things that is 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 one of the things really that gets on my nerves. If I'm honest, I mean, look, if you're going back to a TMO because someone has punched someone in the back of the head, or you know, is he on? Isn't he in touch? Has he touched the you know uh, the touchline there before going into touch? I I really do get that. But the TMOs, even though they have been sped up a little bit, is another bug bear in mind. But you, you within the rugby rugby rules, Dave. Are you you throwing TMOs in the bin? What's the
0: the score there? Yeah, well, actually, we are definitely kicking them into touch, mate. We're not (laughs) having them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and there are various reasons for that. One, the time they take up. Two, they don't always get it right. But it's the interference that we now have, um, not only from them, but also from the assistant referees. So the referees, in actual fact, are not really refereeing the game. And we need to have... You know, I think um Kyle, you mentioned it before when you went down to your local club. That we need to be able to have the odd mistake from from a referee. You know, they don't they don't make many mistakes. I never made a mistake when I was refereeing, but you know, but we need to bring the human factor back into the game because the players don't go through a game without making a mistake, but the referees, you know, are supposed to be hundred percent accurate. And I and I wouldn't mind TMOs. If, as Shane says, they just don't, like in Rugby League TMOs, you can only go back one play, right? And they don't use it for forward passes because, I mean, the parallax, you guys in the film industry and what have you know, the, the parallax era and all that sort of stuff, um, you, you never really know. But I do think that there are many forward passes. And the thing, the other bugbear I have is offside. So, we, you know, I mean, they don't give you any time anymore with the offside. Uh, with the way they're allow, allowing the people to uh, the place to be offside. site i we I've even, even thought about making it you have to go back five meters from you know the last like, feet and all that sort of thing but then how do you how do you police that and some, one of the guys came up the other day with the idea that you give the touch judges a laser
2: <laughs> across the field
0: <laughs> across the field you know but but you know we, we we're so open to all sorts of things like the shot clock you know, we reckon we could have the shot clock up there on the goalpost or wherever it is, and that would add something to, you know, to the spectator enjoyment of the game. Just like, for example, the way that I would deal with um, the red and yellow cards. Okay, if you get a red card in rugby in the early part of the game, the game's pretty much all over, isn't it? You know, it's over as a contest, as a spectacle. People lose interest. Because it's very – even yellow cards, you know, you're expecting to have one or two tries scored against you because of the way it works. Well, we have a black and blue card. And a black card is, means if you get a black card, Holly, you're off, you know. And then you can replace a guy that's been sent off by somebody who's not already been replaced. Okay, So then you're back to 13 on 13. So you've got the integrity of the, of the contest and, and, and the sport is intact at that point in time, right? But at that point, there's no penalty. So what the referee does, he gives the non-offending team a blue card, which they—it's like a joker, which they can use at any time they want, either immediately or later on in the game, and it doubles their score.
2: Nice. So it's a
0: double. Yeah. But but, at the end of the day, so what's going to happen then? Well, the team that has, um, uh, has given away the blue card will think, well, we better keep scoring tries here because we know... They're going to keep that blue card until they score a try, and it'll be a fourteen-point try. So you're, you're going to have this, this, this tension between the attacking and the defending team to say we got to keep scoring. But then the other team saying, well, we're not going to let them know when we're going to use this blue card, but we're definitely different when when it's to our best advantage. So then it becomes tactical, you know. And your captain and your team, you know, as a coach, you say your captain and and your and your group that's leading the team you guys are better use this thing properly and the crowd can get involved They can say mm-hmm. why are you stupid bastards why didn't you use your blue
3: card that's then? me that's me I'm you the know? crowd okay. <laughs> do you know what do you know from from listening to all of this right as a fan I think it's it, to me I love all sorts of sports. I, I feel like you've gone from like five or six different sports and brought in all the best rules into my favourite sport, into into the game of rugby. So you've got uh, like I think they've got a, a black card in ice hockey where you, one player goes to the box and then another player jumps on to replace him. Um, I, I I'm if you could get it off the ground, I I come and watch David. I would come and sit in, if we can sit in stands by then. I'll uh, definitely come and, and support it. I, but I want a jersey though, right? For, for the first uh, winning in tight. <laughs> he loves his
2: stash.
0: <laughs> You've got one. You've got one, mate. <laughs> I'm off. Yeah,
2: we're, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but um, it's been great to have you on and listen to this. I mean, just, just in closing, you know, what, what are the next steps? You know, what, Where can people that are listening to our podcast find out a little bit more about Rugby Rules?
0: Well, they can go to www.rugbyrules.world and and i, I used dot world because i found out that i could and that was a little bit of a uh, jab to world rugby <laughs> not that i'm ever controversial you know oh. as everybody <laughs> is in wales <laughs> um but yeah uh, um as soon as we can get it played we will be and we'll then we'll get vision of it and um we'll sort out anything that we know it's going to be really tough you know we can't do this worldwide there's a few group there's a small group of guys who used to work with me at new zealand rugby that are doing it for nothing and we're trying to get it going so that's why we've chosen under 18 in schools you never know mate we might we well, might we might get there
2: we yeah and certainly where there's a will there's a way and we'll we'll keep an eye on it and um I'm sure if there's anything we can do to help, then, um, then we will. But, and when you do get off the ground, we'll have you back on. And as you say, we'll become ambassadors, cheerleaders, whatever you want. Uh, we'll issue the black cards, the stop clock, or the, the shot clock, whatever you want. <laughs> but, um, mate, it's been yeah. great having you on. It's been great having you on. Thanks so much. It's early morning down under there with you. And uh, thanks for taking the time. wish you all the very best um, on behalf of the Tuesday Club with Rugby Rules.
0: Thanks very much, um, Shane you, Kyle and to yourself it's been a, a great pleasure and and Shane just just said so you know there was another guy you might remember his name <laughs> i say this david Campese. uh yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> i'm only joking i know you know campo and campo said to me the other day he said moffy said this is the game i used to play and this is a game i would like to play but i wouldn't like to play the game as it is today so that that was quite <laughs> yeah. a Quite an endorsement, I thought.
1: I think, I think if there's a if there's a game that uh, Campo would enjoy, it would be Rugby Rules Village out included including me as well. So uh, yeah,
0: it yeah. yeah, I
1: bet it's great to have someone like Campo on board.
0: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, that, and that, that. and and more importantly, yourself, shine Thank you for your ah, uh, kind words. Thanks
2: man. Thank that about sums it up. Shane Williams, David Camp easy promoting rugby rules. David Moffat, thanks again. Take care, look after yourself, stay safe.
3: Bye bye. bye Bugbear.